0: Well, um, this morning I uh, I, I have uh, almost a standalone message. Uh, this this past Wednesday was our first Wednesday service. Anybody was here at our first Wednesday service? Awesome. Uh, I, I you know. Aside from me coming to your house and begging on my hands and knees, I would just tell you from now on, I would never, ever miss a first Wednesday service. They are glorious. Uh, God moves so powerfully on our first Wednesday service, it's, it's hard to describe. And um, I, I just really want you to, to come. It's a night of refreshing. It's a night in God's presence. It really has just, uh, just a spirit of revival that's, that's happening there and i had a message prepared for wednesday night yeah yeah that 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 pretty much did not happen that pretty much did not happen god's spirit came in such a powerful way there was a demonstration of the message uh but uh, but not we didn't get to the message itself and uh, honestly um when I prepared the message, I was kind of thinking to myself, Lord, you know, this is really kind of a, uh, a Wednesday night, deeper dive, kind of a message. And, uh, uh, and so I was like, okay, Lord, just, just tell me what I'm, I'm supposed to preach on Sunday morning. you know. And I had this kind of idea about some things that the Lord has actually already showed me about next week and Christmas Eve and even uh, New Year's Eve. But this week, was, I was just a little unsettled. I was really unsettled, and I'm like, Lord, uh, you really need to speak to me about this, and usually I have some things kind of all put together, and, and I, I really uh, have it in my heart to not be saying something that is, that is good in principle only. I want to be preaching a right now word. That means that there, there, is a, there is something significant about releasing a word on time. And then when I, I just finally, after the wrestling match, it actually went on for a couple of days, um, after Wednesday night, I said, Lord, do you want me to, to speak that message that I was supposed to, you know, I thought maybe I would speak on, on another first Wednesday sometime. And like this flood of peace came to me. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um for those of you who are in a uh, a really Christmassy um you know feel you you really got all the Christmas spirit, you've really been playing all of the Christmas songs uh since July. Um uh the the title of this message for you will be Do you hear what I hear? Uh, cool. That's the title of this message for you. Now, for all of you who are the theologians, the black and white prophet kind of people, and you just love that kind of stuff, the title of this message is called "Order in a Prophetic Community." <laughs> They're the same message, just one has uh, LED lights on it. <laughs> uh, that that song, do you hear what I hear? Was actually uh, it's uh, it's famous to us now, but uh, you know that song was only written in 1962. It was actually written by a man named Noel, which I found very significant. But uh, he wrote that song, Do You Hear What I Hear, um, in response to the Cuban Missile Crisis. In the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis, the answer that a man named Noel gets is write a Christmas song titled, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I want to I say this to the church today, there's all kinds of crisis going on. And the answer is still the same. I, I feel as if this man tapped into something that the church needs to tap into today. And that is, answer this question, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? And God wants to raise up a church that can hear and make us a prophetic community. And a prophetic community, uh, I'll, I'll explain that. But but it involves having a hearing ear. Now we know that prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And um, I want to show you the bookends of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You can turn there if you like today. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at the first verse and the last two verses of 1 of Corinthians 14 this morning as we talk about this, do you hear what I hear, or order in a prophetic community. How do we become a people who hear what God is saying and then release His voice in a way that brings about change? How many of you know the Cuban Missile Crisis was averted? And an and, and artist thought, I have to release a song about hearing God's voice. He actually says, that the song actually says, do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? And then he actually says this, do you know what I know? It's powerful. You should go back and listen to it. And the Bing Crosby version is, is better than Carrie Underwood. So. So we're going to talk about becoming a church that hears or proper order in a prophetic community. We want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. By the way, I I think if there is a, a, a verse that could kind of sum up What the culture of the church should look like, this is what it should look like. A whole community of people pursuing love, loving God and loving people and earnestly desiring the interaction of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives and asking for the Holy Spirit's involvement. That's what this is saying. The spiritual gifts is saying, God, I want you involved. Holy Spirit, I want you manifesting, and I want you speaking. And it says, but especially. Usually when the Lord says, but especially, that means you need to pay special attention to it. Especially that you would prophesy. That means to be a voice saying what God is saying. Now... 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40 says the bookends of of this chapter, which is giving us instruction about how to operate uh, in order with these gifts, how do we hear God and release it properly, says this. Therefore, brethren, after giving all the instructions, says, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, there's a couple, there's a lot, a lot of things there, but I, I, I just want to ask, you know, in, in our everyday walk with God, is there an earnest desire to prophesy, to actually be a voice that is saying what God is saying? And my, 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 my answer to that, and, and my suspicion is, is that no, there isn't, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Well, if we're going after order in, the, in this prophetic community, what is a prophetic community, and I just wrote this down. this is a definition that I felt like the Lord gave to me. It's a gathering of spirit-filled believers who have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying. It's just a, a gathering of spirit-filled believers who have an ear to hear. That uh, you know, Jesus said, "Let him who has an ear to hear, let him hear." And, and 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 that's not talking about physical ears in case you didn't know that. He's not saying, "Hey, by the way, as long as you're not deaf." That's not what he's saying. He said, "If you have a heart that can hear what God is saying and will receive what God is saying, then let them hear." The idea is like I'm going to bring a hearing ear wherever God is speaking. That's the idea. And so a prophetic community is a community of people who is hearing the Lord. And, and, and you know, the, 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 one of the greatest accusations against the spirit-filled community is that the church is out of order. Like if you, if you uh, were to ask somebody, well, how would you describe a Pentecostal or a charismatic church? They would say things like this, oh, they're just swinging from the chandelier's. We don't even have one. I don't even know how you would get up there. And, and so there, there are these ideas out there that there is no order, that things are out of control, and actually the scripture says very clearly, let everything be done decently and in order and we're going to learn how to be people who are very connected to the heart and the voice of the Lord and do it in the right motivation so it's done decently and in order and God's will is accomplished that's really what they mean they mean like well something happened but we don't know what happened and so that you know that that accusation is one of those things which we, I really want to address this morning, that there is no order. There is order. And when there is order, the gifts of the Spirit manifest beautifully. People begin to hear God, and there are good things that take place. Well, why do we embrace here at Calvary the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy? Let's just, let's just uh, use that scripture as a diving uh, board this morning. One, it's for our benefit. You've heard me say this before. The gifts of the Spirit are for our benefit. When people people have a hearing ear and they release what God is saying it is to Our benefit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Uh, Other translations say for the good of all. That means that there is is increase connected to a move of God's Spirit. That, That God moving actually is connected to God wanting to do something good in your life. And it works. God gives the manifestation of the Spirit through sons and daughters for our good. We cannot come with this this sense of fear. We can't come with this sense of, oh, I don't know. We actually need to have a biblical perspective uh, on becoming a community of people that hear. That we say, man, it would be to our advantage to become a people who legitimately embraces the gift of prophecy... Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues and interpretation, discerning of spirit, gifts of faith, gifts of healing. It, we would become a community that is greatly strengthened and experiences the goodness of God. If we would simply embrace them, listen to what happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. When someone releases biblical prophecy in the order of the Lord, listen to what happens. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Let me just go through those really quickly. Edification, that means to be built up. How many of you need to be strengthened in your walk with the Lord? How many of you could use that? Just raise up your hand. Oh, the rest of you are walking on water. I love it. Awesome. I love it. Well, for the rest of us, we need the prophetic. Why? Because we need to be built up. We need somebody who can hear the voice of the Lord and declare what the Lord is saying. You know what? We hear clearly what the devil is saying. We hear clearly what the, our situations are saying. But many times, because, because we, we have so many frequencies going on in our life, we don't hear what the Lord is saying. And there are other people who are tuned in that God says, hey, could I use you this morning to just go and, and encourage somebody? To really build them up? Man, why would we not want to be a whole company, a whole church of people, of, of builders? Where we look at people and we're thinking, God, who, who do you want me to build up this morning? I love this next word. Uh, this next word is uh, when, it, when people are prophesying, it says that they exhort or that it's exhortation. Uh, this, this word is actually really close to the, the name of the Holy Spirit in Greek. It's parakles, paraklesis. And, and so this, this word means that when somebody is operating in prophecy, that you're calling them close. Exhortation literally means to call someone close in. The implied meaning means to the will of God. You're calling them in. You're calling them in close. It actually has the idea that when someone lowers their voice, you begin to lean in and listen. That's exhortation. It's like, it's like there's a drawing power, a drawing in to the will of God. And I believe that in our heart of hearts, that, that as a community of sons and daughters, as a community of people who have made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, there is nothing else we would rather do than to please our Lord and Savior. So what, what does God give as a gift? He gives people who are motivated by the Spirit to speak something, to exhort us and to draw us closer. To literally come alongside the will of God for our life and then comfort to men. This is, this is very, who doesn't need comfort? That's actually one of the names that, that it's attributed to the Holy Spirit, that he is the comforter. And who doesn't need the comfort of God? So, why would you not embrace it? It's a benefit, it's beautiful. Second reason we embrace the gifts, especially prophecy, and we're using that language on purpose, is they bring glory to God. The gifts, and especially prophecy, it brings glory to God. It says this in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have... All been made to drink into one spirit. Now, what's this scripture say that we're a part of? We're all part of one what? We're all part of one what? We're all part of one body, right? And the reason we're a part of one body is because of one what? Spirit. That's right. It's one spirit. We're one body because of the one spirit that we're baptized in. We're one body. Now, we are called the body of Christ, the body of Christ. Now listen, the body of Christ is God's display of Jesus to the world. The body of Christ is God's display of Jesus to the world. I heard Bill Johnson say this uh, uh, a few years ago. He says, everyone wants a king like Jesus. But the role of the church is to represent him well. And there are often times that we don't. But when the church is operating in the spirit, it brings glory to him. Why? The body is functioning in concert with his spirit. Listen to this. It says uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 and 12, it says, In him we've also obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Listen, our lives and the church and the body of Christ should produce praise and glory to God. And when you and I are operating in the, the gifts of the Spirit, in the right spirit, by the way, we'll talk about that in the working parts in just a moment. When that, people look at that, people begin to look at you and this is what they say, glory to God. Our lives should be to the praise of his glory. And that happens as we become more united and have more of a hearing ear for the Lord, uh, a few weeks ago we had um, uh, the ramp came in with chosen, and we had an, an unbelievable night here on a Friday night. It was incredible. Our, our children, many of you were touched, and you were here that night. Well, we went over afterwards and had the world 's uh, best lasagna uh, aldo Ver- Verterami actually made his his world famous uh, uh, lasagna for us. It was fantastic. He started making it on Wednesday for us to eat it on friday i 'm telling you we went up to the third heaven, okay it was that good and and but I, I got there, and there 's all these world changers they they 're everywhere they 're on you know uh christian television they minister pl- on platforms around the world and all of a sudden i felt like the lord said i i i want you i want you to pray and impart something to them and i'm like ah lord they're supposed to come and do that for me i need i i i i no he says no you do what i told you to do i said okay so we're eating lasagna, and I begin to, we begin to just uh, share a little bit, and I said, well, I feel like the Lord wants me to give you a, a little bit of d- deposit. He wants to do something powerful. And I begin to pray over these people, and the Lord began to give me very specific words. And there was a brand new guy who was just coming on. He was just hired on. Uh, He's a professional dancer and choreographer. He's he's going to be working with them. He's a fantastic man of God. He's awesome. Uh, Grew up in the church. Uh, When I got got to him, I laid my hands on him. And uh, the Lord says, "Um, you tell him I am redeeming Orange Blossom Trail. He gave me the name of a road. In Orlando. This guy lives in Alabama. I don't know any, I don't don't know this guy. The Lord gives me a name of a road in, in Orlando. And so I just said, okay, this is strange. I'm a man. I can miss it. And I humbly submit this to you. But the Lord says he is redeeming Orange Blossom Trail to you. When I said it, he crumbled and fell to the ground weeping. And I'm like, huh. And everybody is looking around and nobody knows what it is. And he's, he's weeping and God is radically doing something in his life. He gets up on the, off the floor and he looks at me like, do you work for the NSA? I'm like. Uh, what, what is it? I said, yeah, I said, by the way, you don't have to tell me or anybody else. He goes, no, I want to. He says, there was a season in my life where I ran away from God and the road I did all the running on was Orange Blossom Trail. And he left that night glorifying God he was so glorifying and this is what he said he goes i'm i'm working with this traveling ministry we go everywhere but when i heard that we were coming to florida i had this little reservation because all i could remember is what god what how i'd run from god on orange blossom trail and i'm like oh praise god do you, do you understand that he left that moment knowing god Wanted to free him from even the pains of the running from God. That God, he, he really wanted to set him totally free. Why? So that he could blaze a trail all over these 50 states and all around the globe. Knowing that God is for him. And the, And in that moment he was, I don't know if it was edification or exhortation or comfort or all three. And I really don't care. All I know is that it was good. And Jesus was glorified. Now, it's us really promoting Christ when we come into operations like that. His church, listen, manifesting his spirit will promote his praise. His church manifesting his spirit will promote his praise. It's not, by the way, I, I, I believe in hermeneutics and, and, and I believe in, in, in making sure that I am able to defend the faith and draw things out of texts and everything. But most people aren't argued into the kingdom. Most people, the love of God actually goes to people and draws them. And I, I just want you to know that the church will win a lot of people by manifesting his spirit. To the world and to each other. And then people will go, Oh, I need to praise the one that you're praising. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Listen. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25, it says this, but if all prophesy, remember, that's a manifestation of the, of the spirit and, and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That is what takes place in a group of people who can hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, I want to I encourage you, church. We've been praying for years about uh, God send us an awakening of people who do not know Jesus. Who come to know the Lord. And do you know this passage tells us the key to unlocking it is becoming a community that can hear That can hear his voice and and is willing to say what he's saying. I believe God is going to do it. Well, let's talk about what are the working parts in this prophetic community. What are the working parts? The first thing is this. It's an earnest desire. This is the part of of you that you can keep stirred up. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid uh, speaking with tongues. So you have to earnestly desire. You really got to go after some things. Um, You know, I've recently learned that my youngest son... um, he, he definitely has the love language of gifts because he has been earnestly going after gifts, and lots of them. I'm like, son, not only do you have a, a, a thirst for a lot of things, but you've got a thirst for a lot of expensive things. Lots. I'm like, whoo, you've got a list, son. Praise God. I don't know that you're getting all that list. But there's an earnest desire, and, and I want to say this to you, anytime that the scripture says, hey, I want you to earnestly desire something, you should expect resistance. You should really expect resistance. Any, any scripture where God gives you permission to really go after something, the devil will come and stand in the way of the very thing that you're supposed to go after. And I, I believe this with all of my heart. This actually happened to one of Paul's spiritual sons, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes to, to him and he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What's happening, Timothy is experiencing resistance to the gift that's on his life. He was given as a gift to an elder, to that community, to be a voice, to, to actually release the gospel and effect change in that region. And he was experiencing resistance and fear came into his heart. And I I I really e- expect that any of us who endeavor to uh, expand the kingdom or to do something awesome for God, we're going to experience resistance. Don't get don't get angry when you experience resistance. Don't think that you're somehow out of the will of God when you experience resistance. No no no. Oftentimes resistance is a prophetic a prophetic indicator that you're on the right trail, that you're on the right track. Because here's Timothy probably pastoring the largest uh, early church in history. I mean, I- in history, it was a, a large, large church. And-, and fear is coming against the gift of God. And he says, Paul says, stir it up. Stir it up. You know, there are just some times where you're just going to have to look yourself in the mirror. you say, you know what? God loves you. Look in the mirror and say, hey, by the way, have I told you today Jesus really loves you? Y'all like, that sounds silly. It'll work. It'll work. Jesus really loves you. Have I told you today Jesus really loves you? Because many times in our hearts, our minds actually betray us and say things that are contrary to the Word of God, things begin to press against the gifts that are in us, and and they try to push us back off of those things. Listen, don't let the enemy win. He doesn't win. I've read the end of the book. We win. We win. And we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of the Lord. We, We overcome him. So, I want you to understand that you have to have an earnest desire to prophesy. You've got to have an earnest desire to have a hearing ear, which is the second working part. You've got to have a hearing ear. I mentioned it to you before, Mark 4 9. It says, Jesus said, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I tell you, this is probably one of, of the, the strongest lies at work in the church today. That I can't hear God. And we embrace it as if it's doctrine. And yet, Jesus, whenever he mentions this in, in this passage, he actually uh, doesn't even address that. He, he actually addresses how you hear, not if you hear. Notice in John 10, 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and, I, and they follow me. Listen, that's powerful. My sheep hear my voice. Some of you need to, you need to prophesy over yourself. I can hear the voice of God. I can hear the voice of God. Why? Because I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've, 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 I've been saved by Him. And, and He knows me. He knows me. I think oftentimes what we have done, though, the reason that we, we have so much trouble hearing is we've placed all the emphasis on our ability to hear rather than placing the emphasis on God's ability to speak. We are like, oh, yeah, I can't hear because I got this going on, I got that going on. I, 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 you know, I, I've got a little bit of, you know, I'm still dealing with this issue, you know, and I, I've, I've just got these things that God's working on. And when he gets all that worked out, uh, then, then I'll be able to hear what he's saying. Well, I, I understand what you're saying, but can we just overlap your situation with Lazarus's situation? Lazarus was laying dead in a grave. He was dead. In the King James, it said, he stinketh. (laughs) By this time, he stinketh. He's dead. Now, I'm going to ask you, did Lazarus have some issues? He had a major issue. A total inability to hear because he was dead. He's dead. And yet, when the voice came from outside of the grave saying, Lazarus, come forth, those ears woke up. And church, we need to place a greater emphasis on God's ability to speak that could penetrate the darkest heart, the deadest heart. Listen, if you're dead here today, apart from Christ, hear God calling your name to come out of the grave of sin into true life in Christ. He's calling your name. You can hear that voice. Don't place the emphasis on your ears to hear. Place it on His voice. Now you have the ability to reject or to receive because God always gives us the dignity of choice. But if you bring an ear to hear, that voice could even pull you out of the grave. and for the church to become a prophetic community we have to in order for us to say what god's saying we have to hear what's god's god's saying and we have to reject the lie that says i can't hear god the the third thing that that we need is not only an earnest desire and a hearing ear but we need a submitted will we need a submitted will now this one this this is this is where uh you know some people really have a problem uh but uh, you're, you're, I, think, I think you're going you're to see the structure of the Lord about how decently and in order is actually supposed to take place. When I say a submitted will, the next question that comes is submitted to whom? First, you need to be submitted to God and then to spiritual leadership. You need to be submitted to spiritual leadership. Notice in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through, four, uh, through 14 says, "In he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministries, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man." in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Listen, these, when, when you come into a, a, a house that has legitimate five-fold ministry mentioned there and you submit, I promise you, listen, when you have a submitted will, you will get edified and you will get trained up about how to release what's in you. I actually believe That we're in a day where God has turned the model upside down. Or let me just say it this way, right side up. You know, for a long time we've celebrated gifts on a man. I believe God is raising up men to celebrate gifts in the body. And that that more and more there'll be sons and daughters that are released and that there will be it won't be healings on just in in you know, in gymnasiums and, and, and stadiums surrounded by one really anointed person. It'll be healings taking place in the street. Why? Because we got really connected to people who could equip us with those gifts. We got really connected to people who could hear the voice of God. And then I began to hear the voice of God and I began to speak. And it is actually the desire of the Lord for you to be equipped, to be edified, and to be sent out. I heard it said years ago by a great evangelist. He'll be with us in March uh, Dean Neferatus, he says this, God, don't give me a name, give me an effect. And honestly, I could tell you, just from knowing the men who stand in leadership here, we don't want a name, but we desire greatly to have an effect. We desire greatly to be used by God to see everything that's in you released to the glory of God. Well, here's what, here's what order looks like. In a service, it says in First Corinthians 14, again, that passage, it says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, and each in turn let one interpret but if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let, uh, uh, let the first keep silent. For all, for you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and be encouraged. And, listen to this, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And I, I want you to understand this. That here in the book of, in, in this, this church of Corinth, there were people coming with all of these revelations. And it was trying to all come forth at the same time. And people were, were literally trying to give a message over the top of other people. And it says, no, 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 no. No one is edified by doing that. And the reason that they were doing it that way is because it was bringing attention to themselves. And God says, let everything be done to build up the church. Let everything be done for edification. And when we desire to become a community of people who can hear the Lord and have a heart that says, God, I'm submitted to leadership so that we can know which, it says two or three. So which is it? Who decides that? That, well, the people who God has placed as elders, those five-fold ministers that God has, you know, if you know, most of the time it would be a, a me on a Sunday morning. But if it's not me, it would probably be somebody on our staff who's running a, a, a service. And if somebody here uh, felt like they had a prophetic word, here's what you do. You go up and you whisper it in their ear. I know for a long time people have thought, man, I'm just going to shout from the back of the room. Yeah, that, that works really well for the person way over there. Just not for the person right <laughs> in front of you. That when you begin to shout, right behind them, they nearly wet themselves. Okay. No, we let things be done decently and in an order uh, that you can actually come up and say, "Hey, pastor, I feel like I have this," and I and I would probably ask you, "Well, what do you feel like the Lord's saying?" Because many times what the Lord starts stirring in your heart is actually a point in the sermon that day. And there is like this agreement. Like you will not believe how many times that happened. Ask the prophetic people in here that have come to me and said, hey, I feel like I got a word from the Lord. I said, boy, you're hearing from the Lord. You just read my second point. Many times we'll, we'll release somebody to prophetically uh, give a word. They have no idea what I'm about to preach on. And they release the word. And it's like, why even preach? Because I'm just gonna say the same exact thing again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's saying it. But it's gotta be done decently in an order. We're not doing it to make a show. We're not doing it to say I have a gift. We're not doing it so we can make a business card and start a ministry. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're done, we're doing, we're flowing in the gifts of the Spirit decently in an order with a submitted will, saying, you know what? I, I feel like this is the Lord, but I'm a man and I can miss it. That's, that's humility. Some people say, oh, no, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't miss it. That's right, but the Holy Spirit is wrapped up in flesh. Your flesh ever missed it? Flesh has missed it. And so what do we do? We submit that to leadership. I feel like, you know, I go into different environments. I could probably give a word almost any time, but I would never do it outside of the proper pro- protocol of submitting it to spiritual leadership. I'd never do that. So this answers the statement, I couldn't control it. (laughs) Yes, you can. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can control it. You can walk. By the way, how do I know that? Because one of the fruit of the spirit, self-control. So are you saying that that same spirit that gives self-control, that when he gives a gift of the spirit, you have no control? No, that's embracing a lie, and it's, it's tending toward confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. So, the last thing that needs to happen, if you're, we're going to have these working parts in a church that really hears God, is simply this, a loving heart. Do you love? Do you love? Gifts pr- produce maximum yield in an atmosphere of love. I, I, I really, really love how God gives the most instruction on the movement of the Spirit wrapped around the greatest chapter on love in the Bible. And then he says these words in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of angels and of men, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all ministry, uh, mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith though I, so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all the goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. See, gifts they they really produce when we love when we love and the biblical fruit of love is cultivated over time through the secret place with God i want us to be a hearing church but we can't be a hearing church without a heart of love we can't just say, man, I, I have an earnest desire for, for gifts, I have a hearing ear, I'll even submit my will, but man, I don't even like these people. It doesn't work. Your, your, your gift will not yield what God desires it to yield unless you have a loving heart i found that whenever I've activated anyone in the prophetic, if they will love someone enough to pray for them, prophecy will begin to flow out of them. Whether they understand it fully or not. Because that's how powerful love is. I can remember one time as a young man, I'm sitting in, my ser- sitting in a service in a college and career uh, uh, class, and, um, and I know God gives me a download for a word. Like to give the whole place. It's about 200 people in the room that night. I am relatively newborn again. I've seen this in operation, but I've never operated in it before. I know God's speaking to me. He drops this word in my heart, and then he says this. Be quiet. Like, hmm, okay. I sit there for a moment, and another person, more mature, with more love, Gets up and gives the exact same word. When she gave it, it produced maximum yield. And what the Lord taught me in that moment is that I would have given it with less love and it wouldn't have produced what he desired to produce. It was My schooling in in prophecy was like sitting in a chair and listening and watching. and, And I'm like, oh, this hearing ear, it only works with a heart of love. And I believe that God is calling us to excel in this area of having a hearing ear. You know what the world needs? Sons and daughters who can hear God. This world needs the church to be hearing the Lord. The way it operates, it includes all of those items. But first, first, we need to begin to get back to the secret place and say, God, give me a heart of love. Give me a heart of love. Give me a will that's submitted to you and to leadership. God, give me a heart Says, Lord, I earnestly desire. I'm not afraid. I want to be used by you in my day. I want you to bow your heads.